0: I'm Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. Today I want to pick up where I left off in the last episode with Part 2 of Lessons from Ukraine. I hope that you listened to Part 1 because I lay important biblical foundation that will not be repeated here. Now, the way I see things... Unless God intervenes in a dramatic way, the United States is moving quickly toward alignment with the final kingdom that will be in power before the day of the Lord. I base this on President Zelensky's call to President Biden to step into his role as, quote, President of the World followed by Biden's subsequent announcement that declared that the new world order is coming and that the United States must now step up and lead it and unite the rest of the free world. I need to comment on four issues that we have to take note of. Issue number one is the formation of this final kingdom. In the episode called Return of the Nephilim Part 2, We explored Daniel's prophecy, which describes this final kingdom that will be in power when the day of the Lord comes. As a review here, based on a dream that God gave King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, Daniel described this kingdom as having legs of iron, with its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. This is metaphorical language, the kind that God uses in dreams. Now, the legs of iron refer to Rome, which was the kingdom that followed the Greek empire under Alexander the Great. Only at the very end, the iron will be mixed with clay, especially on the toes, which is why I refer to the final kingdom as the kingdom of the toes. It is divided, a mixed kingdom, and mixed is the key word, made up of ten kings, represented by the ten toes. Daniel described this kingdom using three insightful words, different, terrible, and dreadful. Now, we know what terrible and dreadful mean, but being different doesn't sound so bad, or does it? Daniel says this final kingdom is unlike anything we've ever seen in all of history. The Hebrew word for different is the word shenah, which means altered or changed. Daniel is telling us this final kingdom will be genetically altered and mixed, which is what the Nephilim are. They are a mixed race, half human, half angelic. Now, as crazy as this sounds, this means that some of the leaders that we are dealing with now are not fully human. Now, this may seem way out there, but I refer you to episode titles that have to do with the Nephilim and to remind you that Jesus said that his coming will be as it was in the days of Noah. Now, the number one thing during Noah's day that was so horrendous that God wiped out the earth with a flood was the interbreeding of mankind with the angelic race. This sin of mixed DNA was abominable to the Lord. Let me give you even more biblical proof. In the episode called The Nephilim at Work Today, I traced the Nephilim bloodlines all the way back through Alexander the Great, who was a demigod himself, mixed race, half human, half angelic, and how that mixed DNA went into Syria and into Egypt after his death. Now, the prophet Daniel tells us that the Antichrist is going to come through the Seleucid dynasty that descended from Alexander. That was the part that was based in what is now Syria. I have the reports that after Rome conquered the Middle East, many of the rulers of the Seleucid dynasty moved their residency from Syria to Rome, where they then intermarried with Roman aristocrats. Therefore, their genetic bloodline is likely present today in European royalty. We need to keep a sharp eye out on the leaders of these 28 European nations, plus Canada, plus the United States, as to who is rising to the top. Now, controlling the economy of this new kingdom are two entities that we discussed in the episode Follow the Money, Part 1. The Central Bank of Europe, headed up by Christine Lagarde, and the International Monetary Fund, headed by Kristalina Georgieva. I want you to see how all these pieces are fitting together. There are two other organizations worth noting, and they are the United Nations, which deals with issues that go beyond national boundaries, such as climate change, and the World Economic Forum, headquartered in Switzerland, which is helping to shape the one-world economy. Issue number two I want to talk about a minute is the signs of growing financial crisis financial expert James Rickards wrote a book called The Road to Ruin, the global elite's secret plan for the next financial crisis. And in the book, he explains something that has recently surfaced within the elite circles because of the Ukrainian conflict. He writes that the global elite formulate plans for the world order they want to see, and they wait patiently for something called an exogenous shock. Now, the word exogenous is a 50-cent left-brain word that refers to something that originates outside an organism rather than inside it, like an, an unforeseen natural disaster. And then the elite use fear to advance their vision. He gave an example of how President Obama and Rahm Emanuel used the 2008 financial crisis to push through an $813 billion stimulus spending package back in 2009. Rickards writes, quote, There was no recovery, only a grab bag of goodies for favored constituents such as teachers' unions and government workers, unquote. Now, apparently, the global elite are seeing the war in Ukraine as an exogenous shock. The Armstrong Economics Report just released this statement, quote, "...Europe desperately needs war because 8.6 years of negative interest rates has wiped out pension funds. The New York banks will no longer lend against European sovereign debt." And the only solution they see is to default under the pretense of the Great Reset. So they need war as the diversion with a new Bretton Woods. Now, if this statement just confused you, don't feel alone. Let me interpret or try to the left-brain language they're using here. See, they count on the fact that most of us have no idea what they're talking about. And we don't. So we tune it out. But this is one of their tactics using expressions the common people like us don't understand, and then they sneak up on us and put their real plans together behind our backs. So the report is basically saying two things. Number one, Europe must default on their loans and thereby trigger a great reset. And number two, Europe needs to use the war as a diversion so that a new Bretton Woods can roll out. Okay, now let's break this out a bit. Bretton Woods is a conference center in New Hampshire that was used to regulate financial order after World War II ended. All of the world's economies were in a mess. Very similar to the way things are now. First, the pandemic and now runaway inflation has rocked the financial stability of every nation. Just consider for a minute the trillions in debt that we have in the United States, and this is happening all over the world. So what the elite want now is another Bretton Woods to take place and restore financial order. Now, the International Monetary Fund has been planning this for years, waiting for the right trigger to put the plan in motion. The IMF will be perceived as a savior that comes in and saves the day. But how exactly will they do this? Very simply, the IMF will make an agreement with every nation. They will reset that nation's economy by, first of all, wiping away all of its debt. And secondly, they will reset the value of the new currency according to whatever value the IMF sets. Most importantly, every nation will have the same currency, each valued according to a formula they already have in the works. This has always been the goal for the New World Order, to control and manage a one-world currency. The trigger for it, I believe, has just been set. Now, when the article says Europe needs war as the diversion to Bretton Woods, that means that the media, so take note of it, will most likely beef up reports of the financial chaos and uncertainty and how much inflation is escalating, so much so that this financial crisis will be a diversion so that we will not notice the steps they are taking now to roll out Bretton Woods. I would suspect soon that we will hear that Europe has had to default on their loans, which will throw the liquidity of the pension funds up in the air, which will create even more financial panic. Europe will be basically falling on its sword in favor of the critical need for Bretton Woods to come in and reset the world economy. That's what these G20 meetings are all about we're being set up. I want to propose to you also that this monetary reset plan is why our government leaders passed the recent stimulus package. Remember the elite control the members of Congress. They know that our debt can never be paid back, but they also knew that some unknown event was coming that would trigger this reset so that our debt would be wiped clean and our economy reset under a new currency. Another thing I want to bring to your attention is yet another tactic that James Rickards mentioned in his book The Road to Ruin. In writing about the G twenty, which are basically the board of governors for the new world order, Rickards wrote this, quote, Virtual wealth can be tracked, taxed, and turned off Based on compliant behavior as defined by the global elite. This is a significant statement, again using important code words such as compliant behavior. Let me explain it this way there was a recent episode of 60 Minutes that featured Deputy National Security Advisor Dalip Singh. Who is the architect of all of the economic sanctions that the White House has been bringing on Russia? Now, while I was listening to him talk, Singh was very proud of these new tactics and strategies which they are, in essence, practicing or field testing on Russia. I see this as a foreshadowing of what the Final Kingdom will do to manipulate people like you and me who refuse to become compliant. They are practicing these tactics on Russia and perfecting their ability to cut off access to people's money if we are not compliant and do what the nation mandates. This is unsettling. Issue number three is Russia has gone off script. Many years ago, as I've mentioned in earlier episodes, I received a copy of the Global 2000 Report, which was commissioned by the Club of Rome. Written by Cyrus Vance and accepted into U.S. policy by then President Jimmy Carter. Its objective was to create a blueprint for global genocide, of ridding the earth of 2.5 billion people by the year 2020. Now, those of us who are still alive have lived through the first major purge, which was a planned pandemic by the elite and the manipulation by the media to mandate being vaccinated for, quote, the good of the people. The original Global 2000 report written in the early 1970s included how the global elite intended to manage and control the world and all of its resources. It planned to divide the nations into ten economic or political regions that they referred to as kingdoms. I recall reading that the kingdoms in charge of policing the world would be the United States and Russia, since our two militaries are technologically superior to those of the other nations. Now, clearly, with the Ukrainian situation, Russia has gone off script by defying the elite's plans And this upset now puts NATO and its allies, including the United States, at odds with Russia. Interestingly, during the Business Roundtable CEO quarterly meeting this past March 21st, President Biden revealed that U.S. intelligence sources believe that Russia is planning a cyber attack against the United States. Now, such an attack is what many financial experts have seen as a likely catalyst that really would necessitate another Bretton Woods. And what Biden has therefore done, purposely, in my opinion, is plant the suggestion in our minds that if a cyber attack comes, Russia is behind it. And the final issue, number four, which I want to talk about a minute, is which kingdom will you serve. Earlier, I quoted Daniel 7, saying that in the days of those kings, meaning the ten toes, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. So Daniel's statement refers to two different kingdoms being set up now. First is the earthly kingdom we've been talking about, and we see the leaders of nations jockeying for position as to who will be among the Ten Toes. Frankly, it's been very interesting to watch the news and read between the lines of what's being broadcast. For instance, many people question President Biden's mental sharpness, and they ask the question, who's writing his scripts? He's reading from a teleprompter. On the other hand, we see President Zelensky openly recognizing Biden as the leader of the world, and members of Congress rise in mass and give Zelensky's speech a standing ovation. Now, remember, human leaders are bowing and scraping to get noticed by the so-called illumined ones, which is the meaning of the term Illuminati those men and women who are recognized as earthly gods, with a little g, who are wielding power and authority. I think back to 2009 when President Obama attended his first G20 meeting and the whole world witnessed him bowing down before King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia. That's what is happening now. National leaders are deferring to powers behind the scenes. Now, let's consider the other part of Daniel's prophecy, that during all of this jockeying for position and power and attention, another kingdom is forming, God's kingdom, and those people who choose to be part of that. You see, during all of this upheaval, God is sifting everybody to see which kingdom we will choose. Now, choosing God's kingdom will not be easy. We have to know that going in. We will have to stand against the earthly kingdom who has been given for a time authority and power over money, financial contracts, and the ability to buy and sell. We will have to risk having access to our money if we don't abide by their mandates. These last two years were a trial run to see what the elite could get away with through mandating. Their behavioral scientists have collected data on how we reacted to it all, how quickly the majority of people lined up at the testing sites and stuck out our arms in compliance. They were testing to see who would eventually comply with the tougher mandates that are coming and learn how to track those who will not. Now, we who call ourselves believers have a crucial decision to make. As things get worse, and they will if we are truly in the final years before the day of the Lord. So, I want to suggest that you and I. Declare our intentions to the Lord personally. Joshua said in chapter 24, Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. His was a verbal, personal declaration. If our president declares to the world that we will lead the new world order in coming together, that statement obligates every American to that destiny unless we counter it with our personal appeal to the Lord. One of the prayers that I pray each day is one that has been prayed for thousands of years by our Jewish forefathers. It's called Adon Olam, which means Master of the Universe. It is a beautiful prayer, Declaring the greatness of our God. It begins like this. Master of the universe, who reigned before any form was created. At the time when his will brought everything into being, then as king was his name proclaimed. After all has ceased to be, he, the awesome one, will reign alone. It is he who was, he who is, and he who shall remain in splendor. He is one. There is no second to compare to him, to declare as his equal. Without beginning and without conclusion, his is the power and dominion. Now, after declaring the greatness of our God, I encourage you to personalize your own appeal. For myself, my prayer is something like this. You can feel free to pray it with me if you like. Lord, I confess the sins of my leaders who are compromising my destiny by assuming that I am in agreement to help lead this new world order. I am not in agreement. I cancel all assignments against my life, triggered by the words of my president. I am waiting for your kingdom. The Lord Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As a matter of my will, I choose to follow the Lord God and submit myself to live under the shadow of your wings as my place of refuge. Father, I know that the Messiah is coming to take his rightful place as ruler of all of the nations, the place of authority that you have given to him. It is for that day I am waiting. So I ask you, Father, to protect me during this upheaval. Give me discernment to clearly see the path that you have for me. Give me strength to stand against mandates that would compromise my health, my conscience, and my will. You are my Redeemer, my present help in time of trouble the portion in my cup on the day that I call. As always, you'll find this episode and all of my podcasts on my podcast page at candislong.com. I will include in the description notes the references that I mentioned in this episode, including the prayers that I just prayed. I want to thank you for being with me today. I hope that you join me again next time for lessons in the latter days. God bless.